worry body. I'm Bree. Welcome to the Chocolate Bar, our lives, our strength, our time. Thanks again for joining us. Um, we have a really cool conversation on deck today. I'm so excited about it. So without further ado, I'm going to ask our amazing guest to tell us who she is and what she does. Hi, I am Farah Fonseca. Um, thank you so much, firstly, for having me on your show. I'm uh, very excited to be here. Um, so I am a strong woman, first and foremost. Uh, that's what I do. I've been competing uh, now for about five years. Um, I have won England's Strongest Woman three times. I've won uh, World's Strongest Woman once. Uh, so that has been extremely fun um, over the years and I also specialise in female health so I'm a naturopath so naturopathic nutritionist I'm specialising in uh, women's health and eating disorders so that's also a big a big part of what I do um, I coach athletes and the general public as well at the gym that I coach at I run uh, female boot camps only boot camps which I started when I was 19 and it's been running for eight years so that business has been going for a long time now which has been fantastic um so yeah there's a, a few bits going on um so yeah here I am um listen I have the biggest grin on my face right now because first of all I'm just excited to finally get a chance to talk to you but also I could listen to you all day you have the most beautiful speaking voice so i'm just like oh my gosh this is amazing oh really uh, oh gosh okay no one's ever said that to me before so thank you absolutely <laughs> you should do voiceover work girl voice is like all that you could tell me anything um yeah so again thank you so much for this is this is fantastic and i, I love that you introed with like I usually get around to like, oh, what have you done? But then, like, let, me, let me just start here um, and let you know I'm the strongest person in the world. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, 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 no. Absolutely don't apologize. I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, so yeah, what I would love to do in and hear from you about is a little bit about your backstory. So, you know, one of the things that I usually start with asking athletes is, you know, have you always been an athlete? Like, what was your relationship like with sports and athletics as a young girl? Yeah, so for me, this has actually been a, a topic of conversation I've had before in the past. Um, but for me personally, I have always been very sporty. Um, my parents really pushed me when I was younger, not pushed me, that's probably the wrong word, but encouraged me um, when I was younger, just to always be active. So you know, I just remember growing up all the way through my childhood and, you know, my dad would get in from work at like six o'clock. He'd commute back from London um, mm -hmm. and it would be straight in. He would be like, right, get ready. We're out. And it would be it, every night of the week. It would be either athletics. It would be horse riding. It would be football. It would be netball, like literally everything. I think he just wanted us to really try to pursue finding what we enjoyed doing um mm -hmm. you know we did swimming we did taekwondo like literally like just tried everything i think um growing up just to try to really find what we were kind of passionate about um which i really really am thankful to him to this day um for doing that and then i guess as i kind of got older um i kind of took a step away from the sports um and team sports and when i went to college I ended up doing uh, like my PT course and from there I kind of went straight into a gym and then the rest is kind of history. I kind of fell in love with the gym um, mm -hmm. and then obviously started coaching clients and it's, yeah, it just kind of went from there. So along with that, um, one of the other things I think about a lot is that, you know, I think for a lot of us, particularly <clears throat> women of color, you know, we all sort of arrive at, you know, getting into fitness from, you know, different places, but sometimes our stories are, are scarily similar. Um, I think for a lot of us, you know, we recognize that we are not necessarily the standard, right? Um, and we know what that standard typically is. <laughs> it's not us. Um, and so I'm curious, you know, given that you were an athlete and you, you know, grew up sort of in an athletic space, what was your relationship like with your body as a young woman? How did you see yourself? 
So again, this is something that I talk about quite passionately, actually, is body image um, mm -hmm. with women. And for me, I was I was very fortunate in that my mum, so as a, you know, the household that I grew up with, uh, grew up in, should, should I say, like food wasn't really a conversation. Um, mm -hmm. It was just you eat what's on the dinner, like you just eat what's there. And if you're not, if you don't want to eat it, then you go to bed. Um, mm -hmm. So it wasn't so much of like, I was, I think I'm quite fortunate in that there was no correlation between what I eat is going to make me look a certain way. It was more about mm. what I eat is going to help you to do your sports. So you mm. need to fuel yourself, Farah, if you, if you want to progress and you want to get mm -hmm. better. So I'm definitely, definitely very fortunate that that was kind of my relationship with food. So it didn't really affect my body image in terms of sport, I think on a, mm -hmm. I think on a social aspect, I think that, yes, I did have body image issues on a socially growing up because I remember in school for sure, um, thinking because I'm quite short, I'm only five foot two. Mm -hmm. So I was always the short, one of the shortest, um, in school growing up. And I, you know, I didn't go through, um, well, I didn't have my period until I was about 15. So I was mm -hmm. quite late. And I remember a lot of my friends, female friends, you know, they were, they were blossoming, um, you know, much quicker than I was, um, mm -hmm. you know, in getting that much more female, typical female physique, their boobs were coming in, they were getting bigger bums. And then you end up getting, you know, they end up getting a lot more attention from boys. And as a young girl, you're kind of questioning like, oh, like, is something wrong with me? Um, you know, and um, why don't I have those those curves, etc, etc. So I definitely remember on a social side of things and a school comparison, comparison, there was that feeling of body image and constantly comparing myself to the other girls growing up in school. But when I was doing my sports, like it wasn't even a conversation. It was just you need to. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Interesting. That's good to hear. I mean, like I said, I know, you know, for a lot of us, it's not necessarily that way. So I'm always happy to hear when, you know, folks grow up in a way that that wasn't necessarily the emphasis, um, how they looked. So I like to hear that. Um, so tell me a little bit about you. You talked at the the top of the episode about, you know, sort of all of the things that you do and, and you know, getting to the gym and all that kind of stuff. I'm really curious, though, did you find strongman or did it find you? <laughs> so I'm going to say it found me um, mm -hmm. just because I remember I was just training and um, I was training and I was coaching just in a commercial gym um, in the UK. And I remember my partner at the time. So I must have been about 20, 21, maybe. And he said to me, why don't you have a go doing strong woman? And I said, babe, like, you've got to be strong to do strong woman. Like, the name is in the title, like, you know, and, um, uh. <laughs> you know, and um, I was like, I'm just here having a good time in the gym, like, not really training to anything specific. And mm -hmm. he was like, well, you know, it might just help tailor your training um, a little bit. So why don't you, why don't you have a go? And I was like, oh, I'm not too sure. And it took him probably about eight weeks to try to, to kind of persuade me to do it because locally where I live, they do um, what's called Basingstoke Strongest Novice, which mm -hmm. is actually now where I coach um, out of now. And um, so, yeah, he programmed me for like four, four or five months for the competition. And um, yeah, I ended up winning it. And um the guys at the gym that host it were like, we want to take you on as a sponsored athlete. And I was like, oh, wow, okay. And then, um, yeah, it just kind of spiralled from there, really. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <clears throat> Sorry about that. Um, and so as you started to get into, you know, Strongman, how do you think that affected, um, I know you mentioned sort of socially, um, you know, maybe having somebody image issues. How do you think Strongman has impacted the way that you see yourself? Oh, I'm so grateful to the sport. Like if that's one massive thing that I've taken from it, it's the fact that the the real focus is on what you can do rather than what you look like. Um, mm. And I think it's, it's just such a massive positive um, coming out of female strength sports for women to actually feel empowered about actually how their body performs over, you know, what, 
lumps and bumps you might have um right. you know so i i honestly i i give strong man and strong woman such huge credit for the relationship i've got with my body i i honestly think i've got i well i'd hope to think i've got quite a positive um relationship with my body i i see it as a vessel rather than of anything else it, i see it as a vessel of performance and what i can what I can push it to do um, mm. rather than looking in a mirror and questioning, oh, should I have this? Should I have that? Or I'd, I want to get rid of this. Or I want to get rid of that. Like though I'm very fortunate that those sorts of thoughts don't really occur. Um, mm -hmm. It's more about like, right, put your, put your training gear on and let's go. Like we've got a squat today. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I love it. I love it. And so you mentioned, excuse me, that, you know, growing up that you were athletic and, you know, I assume your, your family was very supportive of that. So I'm curious, um, as you started to, again, sort of get into strongman more, what, what has that looked like in terms of your family and friends? How do they, you know, what, what do they make of all of this? Um, so I think this is quite mixed. Um, I feel like when I very, very first started, um, obviously there was a massive amount of support. Um, and I mm -hmm. think just because my journey did kind of spiral pretty quickly. Um, mm -hmm. So there was lots of local support. I was, you know, the local paper was always putting me um, in the paper, um, you know, and friends were like, oh my God, like I'm best friends with the like England's strongest woman, <laughs> you know? And um, even one of my uh, friends has got it as her bio on her Instagram. I'm like best friends with English strongest oh, woman. That's hilarious. <laughs> you know? So like it, you know, some friends are super, super supportive, uh, which is great. And my family again, when I very first started, like um again they'd come to all my competitions at the time because i wasn't doing quite so many international comps at that time it was mm -hmm. they could come they could come along support um and even my dad once he did actually come he flew over to america with me to watch me at the arnold um which was absolutely amazing i couldn't have asked for more support and in terms of my family like nothing's nothing's really changed um mm -hmm. i guess with with friends it's it's funny isn't it because I think you have different social circles for different things right. and I think it's just acknowledging that um so some of my friends who aren't really into the gym or they don't really train like you know they don't not that they don't get it but right. um like it's just not really a conversation I have with them. They don't really ask me about my training. They don't really ask me anything about it. Um mm -hmm. but I I feel like it's just a level of understanding. Like I understand that they, it's not the part of their lifestyle. Um, they don't get it as much mm -hmm. as, you know, you have the people around you who, you know, you have your training friends, um, right. you know, and they get it. And that, that it's just kind of acknowledging what friends are in your life for what reason, I suppose. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I, I don't, I would never say they don't support me, um, but I definitely think that there's, I have different friends for different reasons. Right. Right. Um, and, oh, speaking of family, so are you, were you born and raised in the UK? Like what's your, what's your family situation? I was, I was born and raised in the UK, but the family is, is hugely mixed. Um, mm -hmm. My mum my is one of 10 um, and they all were born in Dubai. Um, okay. And then my mum was about 13 or 14 when she came over to the UK. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah my dad um again he's got quite a, a complex complex background um we don't really know well we don't know his um his biological family um but again he was raised in the uk um so yeah there's lots there's lots going on in the background with our with our family for sure cool cool so um when you talk when you um Think about what your training looks like. I don't know if you're off season, on season, um, where you are right now with that, but what does a typical week of training look like for you for Strongman? So um, at the moment I'm training four days a week. Um, mm -hmm. And so typical, typical week um, tends to look like one kind of lower body squat day, two, 
two press days um, mm -hmm. and then one sort of deadlift and uh, posterior day. Um, so, yeah, at the moment, kind of like main focus. Uh, well, two press days, one squat day, one deadlift day. Um, at the moment, is that a little bit of events thrown in here and there? But I can't, you know, I've got, I can't lie. Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm like, I'm that, I'm that really bad um if you want to call me an athlete, I'm that really bad athlete who will only train um, <laughs> actual events uh, right. like farmers and yoke when they're mm -hmm. when I'm coming up to a competition. Um, mm -hmm. So even if it's programmed for me and it's like, right, farmers, and I'm like, well, I don't have a competition, so I'm just going to ignore <laughs> that. <laughs> like... <laughs> I didn't see that. <laughs> I didn't see that. No, I just I'm I've got certain events which I just hate, <laughs> and um, mm -hmm. I'm like if well if I'm if I don't need to do it if there's no competition like right. I'm not adding that into my <laughs> sessions. What's so, your What's your favorite event? Oh, I love stones. Mm, yeah, interesting. in all day stones. Stones is definitely my favorite. Mm -hmm. Um, it gets a bit. It's getting into them though because obviously you don't do them all year round so mm -hmm. like that first I would say three to four weeks is pretty brutal where mm -hmm. um especially because you get again people do like to do it differently so I like to do it in just a crop top and shorts so mm -hmm. um more skin to skin contact and oh, wow. um yeah but your body gets battered in the first three to four weeks mm -hmm. because obviously it's like gravel which is like attacking your skin so mm -hmm. yeah your skin doesn't look too great for the first three or four weeks and then it kind of gets used to it wow wow so are you have any competitions coming up Did I miss that? um so obviously with covid most things have been pushed back but we've got right. uh we've got england's strongest women which is put in for june i believe um mm -hmm. and august i think is britain's strongest woman and then i'm hoping to do worlds in florida um in november um oh, okay. yeah which would be pretty cool absolutely so you know i i've didn't really know much about strong women i mean i knew about you know i would see the competitions kind of randomly on tv every once in a blue moon but obviously i've started to learn more and more as i've started to discover more um you know amazing women in the sport so i'm really curious because i noticed at least you know from where i sit in terms of you know in the states i don't see a lot of women of color involved in the sport um, I'm not sure if it's it's the same internationally or not, but um, I'm curious from your perspective, why do you think that is? Do you know what? I'm not entirely sure why it is because like even so, for example, I did a um, like a, a week of trying to celebrate black female excellence in sport through mm -hmm. um, my Instagram. And right. I was, do you know what? I it ended up being predominantly all powerlifters. Um, mm -hmm. And there was only, I only had Andrea Thompson, um, mm -hmm. really, who I could kind of ask to do in and represent for a strong woman. Um, right. And I literally, that was probably like one of the first times I've really thought about it, um, mm -hmm. of like the lack of black women in, um, in strong women. So yeah, I'm not entirely sure why um mm -hmm. because again strong women is just another um power strength sport um you've got a, a lot of really um high quality powerlifters black um black powerlifters in the sport um i just guess black women are very powerful um you know and so it, it is a shame not to see so many strong women um i don't know whether or not it's some of the events people get pushed put off by I don't I don't really know um because mm -hmm. you'd think that it would just kind of carry over to all kind of strength sports because again right. you've got I, I you know I know so many really powerful Olympic lifters uh black Olympic right. lifters you know um mm -hmm. so yeah it's it's I don't and again it might be because the, the sport is not as big it's definitely right. not as big as powerlifting or Olympic lifting yet there's not as much mm -hmm. exposure um you know there's definitely not as much sponsorship um you know and and things like that so i don't know whether or not that's a, a factor that's that comes into it when people kind of decide what they what they want to do or pursue i suppose once they start getting really good at one of the sports mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 
Um, so if there if there's someone out there, because again, that's you know was kind of the whole reason I wanted to to do this podcast is to really raise the visibility of, of a lot of these strength sports and the people that are doing them. But you know, if there's a listener out there today who's you know a black woman or a young woman who's like, wow, this this sounds really cool. I'd love to try this. I don't even know where to start. Like, what advice would you give her if she was interested but maybe intimidated a because she didn't really see anyone that looked like her doing the sport or she just didn't have a lot of information on it what advice would you give her to get started i would just say to her like just i think the first thing is just to really focus um on firstly just enjoying being in a gym environment like making sure that you enjoy that first i think is really is really important and then if you really unsure of where to start just really research the coach that you want to work with i think it can be quite daunting to kind of think that you want to like you, you know, you might see someone, a, a strong woman, etc. And they're at the top of their game. And you think, oh, my God, like, I really want to be like that person, etc, etc. But, you know, a lot of these, a lot of, you know, athletes have been training for five to 10 plus years. Um, mm-hmm. And that's, you know, where they are now. So I think it's just really maybe research, um, research your coach don't kind of just jump into getting a coach because Mm -hmm. again you want to make sure that that coach can kind of tailor to to newbies i suppose um and then again just researching women in the sport trying to find someone that you know that looks like you um that Mm -hmm. you can relate to and if you can um reach out to them um because i'm sure that they would they would only offer advice and help and that's great advice what should a newbie be looking for in a coach sometimes i think you know you don't know what you don't know so it's it's sometimes could be hard to know a good from a bad coach so what kinds of of questions or what kinds of things should a person be looking for in a strong strong man strong woman coach so um regardless if it's strong man or strong woman, I think in terms of just trying to find the right coach for you, I definitely mm-hmm. think that, because someone actually asked me this the other day, and um, and I said, I think you need to find someone who aligns with your morals and your values. So mm-hmm. I think that's a biggie, um, mm-hmm. which people kind of forget. So like, you could for example whatever even if it's even if it wasn't in a sport for example but like you could be i don't know you could be a woman who um is really interested in sorting out um your food your relationship to food your stre- your your training etc mm-hmm. and but you you know not to say that, uh, you know my coach is male but you could go to a male coach who really just specializes in like body physique and Mm -hmm. unfortunately that's probably going to completely your values are completely different because he's kind of looking at you and trying to get you to your leanest point with uh with a diet plan which isn't going to address that relationship to food for example Mm -hmm. so i think just trying to find a coach which you think actually like i actually really resonate with what they're talking about um and how they how you can see how they coach via their you know their online community um and how they kind of conduct themselves online um i think makes a big difference and then just asking questions like you know how often do you get to check in with you how mm-hmm. you know what's your your programming like um you know i think just making sure that you're able to get the feedback you need because i definitely think as a newbie you need much more feedback than you do when you're a top athlete. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you need a lot more guidance um, and um, in terms of like positioning, etc. whilst you're training, um, you know, you need a lot more feedback, um, especially if you're picking an online coach. So yeah, those would probably be my, my top things really. Hmm. Okay, great advice. What do you enjoy the most and what do you enjoy the least about competing in strongman? are competing in training yeah um what do i enjoy the most um so i think enjoy the most um 
I, I guess I would say probably the community. Um, mm. I've really fortunate to make some some really good friends through Strong Women. Um, so you know, just being able to meet up um, a few times in the week or you know on the weekend where we go and have a big session together in a different gym we're in a different environment everyone's hyping each other up for their lifts etc etc i think that's probably one thing that i really really do love about it mm -hmm. um i guess one part that i kind of don't like quite so much is probably <laughs> it's probably the fact that it is an untested sport um mm. that's probably the one thing that i i i genuinely it does it does not it doesn't grate on me but it is one thing that i keep in the back of my mind and you know i was working with a um a sports psychologist for a bit for about six months and um mm -hmm. it was something that mm -hmm. can you just elaborate maybe a little bit for our listeners that aren't sure what that exactly means untested sport mm-hmm it's up to you whether or not you want you would want to use performance enhancers steroids mm -hmm. um in the sport um and it's completely it's completely up to you so the fact that mm -hmm. obviously it's up to you you don't you can do it or you um or you choose not to um it's a it's a fair kind of playing field i suppose because right. you know it's, it's up to you if you do or not um yeah. but yeah it's definitely but they don't separate you in terms of competition like there's no, no. natural versus non-natural in strongman there is at the lower level um oh, okay so okay. yeah so you can go to the problem is though no one really does those events so for example mm. you you go to for example there is like um britain's natural strongman and britain's natural strongwoman but i think mm -hmm. like the last couple of years there's been like three girls in my weight class who've done it and i'm like uh, you know so you're going in and you're like well you're one of three who are so you're, mm -hmm. everyone's going to place, um, right. <laughs> you know, so it, whereas like obviously at, at Britain's Strongest Women, which is untested, you know, you've got mm -hmm. like 15 girls who've got through to that final position um, and that final competition. Mm -hmm. um, so it's just much more competitive. Um, so that that's the problem is that there's not enough girls going through the naturals um, to kind of make it worth your while um mm -hmm. if that makes sense right right and so you mentioned that you had been working with someone and that it kind of kept coming up for you um can you share with us maybe like kind of what was coming up like was it just the frustration of like you said not having enough folks to kind of put in the mix or yeah i mean for me personally like i've i've always um I've always been a natural athlete so mm -hmm. um it's just part of my ethos and my values um not only as an athlete but just as a person I suppose mm -hmm. and um I guess I got to a point where I was competing and I started going to the international comps and the international comps are just a different ball game um right. you know they're compared to the national level ones like the girls are just fantastic it's absolutely mm -hmm. amazing um but I was like, you can, you just know, obviously, when one one athlete is potentially using some sort of performance enhancer compared to an athlete who's not. And I, it's not to say that I feel like it gives them everything and it completely boosts their whole performance because obviously they could they could be so strong, but their psychological aspect could be completely off, right. um, you know, and it just completely down, you know, brings their whole performance down. Um, but I think it's can, it can be quite disheartening when you are finding yourself becoming less competitive in mm -hmm. a sport and you're paying thousands of pounds to get to get over to, right. to America to do these international competitions where you're just not as competitive as you were um, mm -hmm. because there's more and more competitors who are using performance enhancers. Um, and I, I've spoken to people at the top. Um, I remember going um, over to America to compete and myself and two of the other uh, women, heavyweight women um, from from the UK, um, and a few other a few others from other 
from other countries we was all out for dinner and you know some of them uh do use performance enhancers uh, i won't you know say who but some of them right. do and we were we were just kind of discussing it and this must have been about three years ago now and mm-hmm. i said to one of them do you is it worth it like mm. is it worth it and mm-hmm. she was like father honestly no it's not mm-hmm. she was like yes i i i can say i've got this title i've got that title um but she was like but my skin is horrendous she was mm-hmm. like that my um what did she say her um she had real bad anger and um so like it was ca- causing issues within her relationship um you know mm-hmm. and all these other things that she was ticking off she was like you know yeah you might get a little bit of prize money for winning strong women, but it's not a big enough sport yet for us to be saying that we're right. winning thousands of thousands of pounds for it to be worth it. Um, you know, so I think for her, she, the general, the general thought about it was like, it's not. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so again, I'm always like, well, if you, you know, if someone's listening and they're either, you know, trying to struggle, they're struggling with those same things, right? And I think that that can happen in a lot of sports, whether it's powerlifting or CrossFit or, you know, only lifting, there's that struggle of, okay, you know, it looks like to be at the very top, I got to do this. But over here, this is where I'm comfortable. And this is what aligns with me personally. How do you, what advice would you give somebody sort of struggling with that in terms of, like you mentioned that frustrating frustration or feeling disheartened because they're maybe not as competitive as they could be if they sort of stick to what's true for themselves. Yeah, I think this is a biggie. And I think this is something that I've really tried to work myself through. Um, Mm -hmm. Like I took, when I remember going to that last competition and um, I just, I just doubted myself. I was literally like, are you actually strong enough to be here? Um, Mm. And I ended up taking uh 18 months out of the sport um mm-hmm. because i was just like i'm done like in my right. head in my head i was like i'm just done like i can't keep up and mm-hmm. you know i there was just so much self doubt um that came into play at that point um so i, I all i did i think you just got to take a bit of a step back because obviously i'm i'm back in it now i'm back in the mm-hmm. sport now um and it feels great to be back. And I just think that first year, all I concentrated on was just coaching. Um, mm-hmm. I coached all my female athletes, um, went with them to their competitions, could put in a lot of effort for them as their coach, um, rather than prioritising myself as an athlete. Um, and it felt great. And it took me probably just over a year for me to be like, actually like I went to a competition and I thought you know what I want to be competing again like I mm-hmm. think I was seeing a girl do a log and I was like I really want to do that like <laughs> I, I miss it. yeah I really miss it and I really want to play like let mm-hmm. me play basically and then I I then decided to go back in and do England's Strongest Woman mm-hmm. and do the qualifiers pathway last year and um yeah i i loved it i it's like Mm -hmm. i created this new sense of like energy um and but more importantly it was the fun aspect i kind of was just like i realized that i actually enjoy it so regardless of yes i always want to be competitive that's part of being a athlete i don't think that ever goes away um Mm -hmm. but actually i think i had lost the enjoyment i think i'd gotten too serious um Mm. and i was putting so much pressure on myself to constantly be better um constantly you know every year regardless you know and the thing with strong strong woman and strong man is that you can go you can turn up to a competition and the events are so tailored to you um So you have got such a high chance of performing exceptionally well in every event, hopefully meaning that you are kind of come out with placing. Um, Mm -hmm. But then you can go to a competition where actually you've got to work your ass off um, Mm -hmm. to be as good as some of the other girls because they've got events which are tailored to them. So it's, it's, it's trying to get to that point of like trying as much as you can 
to not take it too seriously that you completely take the enjoyment out of it um mm-hmm. and just you know completely talking to yourself in a in a in a way that you're constantly putting yourself down um to be like well you're not good enough you know right. you're not good enough to be here like what's the point um and i think that's probably where i got to um mm-hmm. and i i think getting back into it at the time that i did just realigned me to be like actually no far you enjoy this like right. you actually enjoy the sport you enjoy being around the girls like and i remember i put up a post after doing the um the england's qualifiers and um i literally just said oh i'm, I'm home like i'm mm-hmm. back home and it's just because you get this real sense of community with the other athletes and because again it is a it is a small sport still like everyone kind of knows each other everyone's super supportive um and it just felt great mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i love that i love that yeah sometimes you have to get back to basics and think about your why you know why'd you why'd you start in the first place right um yeah i love that so um you mentioned um we talked a little bit i think at the top of the episode just about you know food and, and what that looked like for you when you were growing up, but I'm curious as a, as an athlete, um, you know, and I hate to use the word diet because I don't mean diet. I guess I mean sort of, you know, how you eat, <laughs> if that makes sense. Do you, do you ascribe to a particular way of eating to support your training or are you more of a, you know, I just kind of do what I do? Yeah, that is me. If I'm honest, <laughs> I, 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 I think I, again, like I used to be when I was like, probably getting to the point where I didn't enjoy the sport. I was taking it right. super seriously. So yeah. like I was hitting calories, I was hitting macros, like I was making sure I was hitting enough protein and carbs every single day. And, you know, mm-hmm. it was just too much. I was, it was right. just too much. And, you know, you at the end of the day, none of us are being paid to do the sport. It is a hobby that we've all decided just to go a bit mad with, um, you know, and some of us, you know, some people are just excelling in it, um, mm-hmm. you know, which is great. And now I think especially because of the work that I do with eating disorders and studying nutritional therapy for three years, like I just can't get my head into that space of mm-hmm. having to eat the same foods every day. Um, right. I enjoy cooking way too much. Um, food is such a big part of my culture. Um, you know, so again, my mum is a big foodie. My sister's mm-hmm. a big foodie. It's constantly trying new recipes and looking up things on YouTube and Instagrams and things to try. And I'm just like, I couldn't stop doing that. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I'm just, I'm just too much of a foodie to be thinking about eating the same thing every day. So I guess with my food now, um, in the last, I would say three months or so, um, I've heavily reduced the amount of meat that I eat. Um, mm-hmm. so I probably only eat meat in like one meal, one meal a week. Um, mm-hmm. everything else is just fish. Um, and I eat, I just eat a lot of rice, a lot of plantain, um, and loads Ooh, of- yeah, she's speaking my language. It's basically just high, high carb, basically. So yeah, loads mm-hmm. of rice, loads of plantain, loads, loads of um, veggies, and then loads of fish. Um, mm-hmm. That tends to be where I am, and I enjoy eating like it. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, again, the food. I think again, if I was coming up to a competition, then I might yeah, and I have to make weight. That's the only reason why I'd adjust anything. But right. for day to day training, as long as it's not affecting my performance in a negative way, I just eat how I want. If I'm honest, um, mm-hmm. I'm, I just enjoy food too much to to think about eating the same thing every day. I hear you. I love that. <laughs> um, and so to your point about, you know, competing and, you know, again, like with a lot of strength sports, um, I know that, you know, strongman is a sort of a weight classification sport if I'm um, if I have that correctly. And so I'm curious, do you, like you mentioned having to make weight for competitions, do you typically tend to stay around what your, like your weight class is, or do you have to, you know, sort of significantly cut? Like, how do you manage that in your off seasons? 
Yeah, I mean, right now, because of COVID, it's a big off-season. Um, so, <laughs> you know, no one is doing nothing right now. Um, so, um, so yeah, so I guess for me, I can kind of, like, can kind of tell what I weigh from how I look. Um, so I would say at the moment, I'm probably sitting, I, I'm rubbish at pounds, so I'm sorry, but um, I'm kind of sitting around 65, 66 kilos. Um, I tend to compete in the 63s. So again, I don't really have to cut that much. Um, they have just brought out for Worlds in December a 73, 72 class, sorry, mm -hmm. or 73 mm -hmm. class, um, which is, is kind of tempting, but the weights are so heavy. <laughs> um, I'm not too sure if I've got it in me to, to go for right. it. Um, but before that, normally the next weight class is 82 kilos and it's a 20 kilo jump, you know, that's, that's like 50 i don't know coming up to like between 40 to 50 pounds i think like right. it's yeah. a lot of weight um mm -hmm. so that was never gonna be a thing i was never gonna go up to there but mm -hmm. this the 72s is 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 kind of tempting um but i'm only five foot two so right. you know for the girls who are in my weight class who are like between five seven to five nine like they could absolutely get away with being in the 72s. Like, right. do you know what I mean? Like, because they can hold the weight better. Right. Um, mm -hmm. For me, I just go out. <laughs> like, right. I remember competing at the Arnold Pro a few years ago. And so I was competing against like Andrea Thompson, Donna Moore, like all mm -hmm. the big names and strong women. And these are all heavyweight women. And I was like, do you know what? This is my only opportunity to put on as much right. weight as possible and <laughs> just have a great time. And right. I, it was a, it was the most filthiest bulk ever. Um, it was, mm. it was. I had a great time, right. but <laughs> like the food choices were not great. Um, right. And I got up to seventy kilos, and I remember I took, I turned up to the Airbnb, and Andrea was already there, and. Um, I <laughs> I walked in and she went, oh God, Father, I goes, what? She was like, she was like, this is the first time I've ever seen you with a pot belly before. And I goes, trust me. I was like, I've been eating. Like, I'm here for it. Like, I need right, right. I need this power belly because the, the axle press, I was like, I need to, it, right. it needs to sit on my belly before I can even get it up to my shoulders. <laughs> so, and she just, she was just crying. Like, she was just laughing, um, you know? So... It was fun, but again, like I just don't think I naturally sit that heavy because I've just got right. a small frame. Like yeah. you know, so it's yeah. it's it's kind of just acknowledging actually the type of frame you do have, um, right. as to what weight class you should be in. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I have a question around that too, because I think, you know, for a lot of women that get into these sports, you know, a lot of times their bodies do change, right? Mm. I think, I mean, our bodies change anyway as we get older as women. Um, but I think, you know, being in, I know mine has since competing in powerlifting, it's changed a lot. Mm. Um, and mentally that can be tough, right? Mm. Even if you know it's for a greater good, right? Whether it is, you know, moving up into a, another weight class or just because you're in a different sport, right? You know, CrossFit is going to be decidedly different than powerlifting and strongman in terms of, 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 you know, what your frame can look like or what's most helpful. So how do you work with athletes to kind of help them with that transition if they are like, I know this is a good thing because I'm getting stronger and, yeah. you know, I can tell this and I can tell that, but my jeans don't fit anymore. Or, you know, <laughs> I now have boobs where I never had any before. Like, yeah, yeah. It's a little jolting. So what advice or how do you work with your athletes to kind of help them, you know, sort of manage that transition yeah this is really interesting because like you say i think there's like a big there is a big worry with women specifically of like oh my god if i lift this amount of weight like 
right. I'm going to turn into Arnie. And I'm like, right, right. do you know what I mean? Like, Not I'm unless not, you want to. No. And I'm like, <laughs> you don't. very deliberate about it. <laughs> you know? I'm like, you don't just walk over the gym platform and all of a sudden right. turn into Arnie. That is not how it works. If only it were that easy. You know? I was like, the people you're comparing yourself to who do have a lot of muscle, they've been training for years. Like, right. you know? they right. And they're training probably much more frequent than a lot of newbies who are starting right. off you know i'm like mm-hmm. they're probably training four or five times a week like we're right. only here once or twice like you know yeah. um so for most of the most of that i said with with the body image and women becoming more muscular um as they start to train more mm-hmm. i've been i guess i've been very lucky in that a lot of my clients that's what they aspire to right, um right. you know they want to feel strong and they want to look like they lift um mm-hmm. you know which is which is really great and it's really fantastic that they actually want to look like how they perform um right. you know rather than performing but still looking like they don't lift mm-hmm. um you mm-hmm. know so i've been quite lucky with that but i guess what i would do if i did have a client who was really struggling with the changes of their body and becoming having a more athletic figure um it's just kind of re keep reiterating to them like well are you happy with how your body performs? Mm-hmm. Like, do you want to, like, how much do you want to perform? Because obviously you're going to need some sort of muscle mass in order to move weight. So I guess it depends on how much you want to move that weight. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so if it's, if that, if it's not that deep for you, <laughs> then we can, we can, we can stop, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. but unfortunately it is just part, part and parcel of it um of you know lifting heavier unfortunately those weights don't move themselves um and they don't you you don't just start lifting weights and your body doesn't change like it's going to change in some capacity um but again again i think i do think as well genetics plays a big part with that because i do think there are some women who are just naturally just more just uh, more muscular than others even if they're doing the same workouts eating the same foods some women can just get their bodies into a much more um athletic figure than others um just from Mm -hmm. genetics i i i think uh, personally so i do i think it's just that education isn't it to be like well i guess it depends on how much you want to you want to move that weight i suppose yeah yeah so true Mm. um so COVID Mm. right (laughs) like you mentioned this has been a very long off season for many people yes um I'm curious about how COVID affected your training um I know you said obviously competitions were sort of at a standstill and all of that but how how did it affect the way that you train how often you train how you train your clients so um yes if for my training I because I coach I'm I'm still, I was still able to utilize the gym the whole time. Um, okay. Cause I still have access to a gym. So that was good. I would say in the first mm-hmm. lockdown, cause we're now in like our second or third lockdown. Um, right. In the, in the first lockdown, um, I remember I had like zero motivation. I was like, mm-hmm. right, this is my time to basically do nothing. And I was probably training like once or twice a week. Like I really wasn't doing anything at all. Um, I was spending more time helping. My sister's got three babies um, under... That's training. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) trust me, different type of training, but it is training. Um, You know, so I ended up spending so much time at her house instead of being local to the gym that I could use. And obviously there's Mm -hmm. no gym that I could use by her. Um, So... I ended up kind of not doing anything in the first lockdown. And then I think we came out of lockdown and then we went back into another one. And in my head, I was like, Farah, don't do that again. Like you just, <laughs> you just, you just wasted so much time, like mm-hmm. of like of good quality training time that you're not going to get back. Because for me, when I, when lockdown life is, is, is over, like, right my job is just so full on and Mm -hmm. you know coaching it's a very giving job 
so like right. you're constantly giving your energy to people you're constantly giving your in terms of whether or not it's like obviously you're praising your clients all the time with with like nutritional therapy and eating disorder work like it's very t- taxing psychologically because you're taking on a lot of load for other people and what they're mm-hmm. going through so I was like, this is going to be your opportunity to actually just be a bit selfish and com- and actually just focus on you for a bit um, mm-hmm. with your training and not have to, you know, kind of take on that actual like athlete mentality a little bit. Um, right. And so, yeah, this next, this, this last lockdown, which we've been in now for like three months, um, mm-hmm. I've really enjoyed, um, if I'm completely honest, I've mm-hmm. really felt like I've been able to push my training, um, um, all my numbers. I'm also working with a new coach that I've had for about four or five months, um, oh, okay. which has been great. So again, we've just spent some time getting to know each other in that sort of capacity um, and finding what works for me um, and how, you know, he's finding how I like to be coached, etc., which has been great. Um, and then, yeah, in terms of like clients, like we've still been able to coach people outside, but it's been freezing, um, mm-hmm. you know? So like, we've only really got like the hardcore ones who've been training through the winter. Um, which has been great, um, but the gyms here in the UK reopen um, in about four weeks. So mm-hmm. um, it will be interesting to see how things change. Um, I really want to try to implement some of the ch- the positive changes I've been able to make um, mm-hmm. with kind of the work-life balance. Um, so I'm hoping to still be able to kind of implement that moving forwards. Oh, great. I love it. Um, and this next question is a little selfish in nature because, um, you know, people want to know and I'm, I'm people, I want to know. Um, <laughs> I think one of the things, again, that a lot of, you know, athletes struggle with or have struggled with, in particularly with COVID, is knowing that, you know, for many of us, I know myself, I've lost some strength. Like, you know, just for the simple fact that, you know, for a while I didn't have a squat rack at home. I didn't have, you know, plates and a barbell. You know, I had free weights, but, you know, nothing like what I was used to training with. And, um you know, it, it has made training frustrating to, to know that what used to be like literally your warm up you're struggling with. So I guess my question for you is, and whether that's you or again, how you would advise a client trying to, you know, sort of get back into the swing, but feeling that frustration of, oh, I used to be able to lift this, or I used to be able to, you know, how do you, how do you manage that so that you can get yourself in a good space to, you know, get either get back to where you were or even better like what what would what what does that look like so i think the first point of that is just to acknowledge that it's going to be a journey back to where you were and i Mm -hmm. think that's probably step one i think too Mm -hmm. many people you know especially in i've seen it with clients before they come back in after the last lockdown and they were like i'm i'm you know i'm still where i was last time and i'm like you're not you haven't trained for like eight to twelve weeks um you know you're not still where you were and i think a few sessions in they're soon humbled (laughs) as to (laughs) yeah actually maybe she's right um you know so I think it's just acknowledging the fact that actually it's a bit of a journey and using the time where possible to really try to encourage some better movement patterns some parts of your training that you don't normally um special not specialized but focus on should I say mm-hmm. um because you know it's very easy when then you can see the numbers going up and you kind of right you don't focus on kind of like the rehab side of things or the smaller muscle groups which help you right. to pull those big numbers you know and I think when those barbells and those dumbbells are kind of taken away from you um because and you've got no other choice like you're forced to you're kind of forced to make sure that you're working on those smaller muscle groups that you Mm -hmm. probably weren't doing before and even though you know it's going to make you a better athlete later on down the line um so i definitely think like when you're going back to the gym like just just bear in mind that it's a journey and you're in this for the long run like no one wants to go back into the gym and get injured like everyone everyone still wants to be able to compete and maybe mm-hmm. uh, maybe not this year but next year for example um mm-hmm. you know and 
you want the long game you know right. so it's it's kind of remembering that yes it might take you it might take you eight to ten weeks or whatever to kind of fill back to those sorts of numbers that you were at before or maybe even longer like you know everyone's very different um or shorter you know everyone is completely different compared um you know so i think it's just just remember it's a long game and you've got nowhere to be. There's no competitions happening right now. Like <laughs> you don't need to rush your your I'm laughing because I'm like, I feel attacked right now, but I so <laughs> needed to hear all of this. So thank you. <laughs> like <laughs> but I'm like, oh my God, I need to I need to get this done in the next three weeks. And then it's like, but where are you going? Yeah, like where are you going? Like what is happening? Mm-hmm. Like nothing that we'll be lucky if there's if there's competitions running over this summer let you know and end of the year like so <laughs> this this is there's no rush like right. there's no rush just 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 enjoy doing some things that you haven't normally done before and actually they will make you better um mm-hmm. you know when you get back to it Thank you for that. I really needed to hear that. I mean, not me. People needed to hear that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so this is this is the the fun part of the, of the show for me. I mean, it all is fun, but these are like my random questions that I ask just to kind of, you know, find out a little bit more about my guests. So, mm. um, tell me what's on your training playlist. What do you listen to? Okay. Um. So my I have a like a hype playlist, mm-hmm. um, which is for like big big sessions or big lists Mm -hmm. um so that generally is always going to be like kanye west eminem um i've got a bit of red rat on there um like oh who else uh dmx um kendrick yeah kendrick lamar jay-z um timberland all of those sort of people um because they've got big bassy tunes which i love um but I also play quite a lot of Bashment and Dancehall um, in my sessions as well. Um, oh, wow, okay. Yeah, so that, again, I, I listen to quite a bit of that on kind of sessions where the, the, the lifts aren't quite so big. Um, mm. And it's kind of more just like a, what I call a bro sesh, where you're just going there mm. for the pump. Um, so, yeah, I do listen to quite a bit of Dancehall music um, as well. So they're probably like, my two main genres that I listen to in the gym. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, okay, I yeah. like it. So Hollywood has decided to do a bio, a biopic of your life. Ooh. Okay. Mm-hmm. What is the title of the film and who is playing you? Oh gosh. <laughs> what is the title of the film and who is playing me? Um. Oh God. Um. <laughs> Of my whole life, not just training. Yeah, just all about you. <laughs> oh God, there's so many different aspects. Um, who would be good? I feel like it'd be pretty cool with like Halle Berry. Okay, okay, I can see it, I can see it. Yeah, like I would love that. Um, that'd be pretty cool. And then what would I call it though? Um, Oh, that's a hard one. I'm not very imaginative in for things like this. Um, Come on. <laughs> I'm trying to be imaginative, but I don't have that imaginative streak in me. Um, what would I call it? Um, oh God, I don't know. I don't know. All right, I'll let you. I'll let you slide. Yeah. On since you gave me, since you gave me the actress. Okay. Okay. Um, thanks. It's your last meal on earth. Hmm. What are you eating? Mm. And it could be like one dish or it could be like, uh, you know, several courses from appetizers to desserts. Your choice. Oh, okay. Fantastic. All right. Good. <laughs> you're like, I got this. Yeah. I, I mean, the more courses, the better. Um, okay. So I probably start off with something like... Um, <laughs> maybe I feel like I'd do maybe like a breakfast and then a d- okay. <laughs> I love brunch mm-hmm. so maybe like some sort of like shakshuka. um mm-hmm. I love that so like spicy eggs so like some sourdough with some halloumi and avocado like all mm-hmm. of that like that that to me is like a nice brunch so maybe okay. start try and have that as a starter <laughs> and then <laughs> I love it and then 
then for from the main i definitely think it's going to be like jollof rice planting mm. some sort of like either like salt fish or like or like i don't know like an actual grilled fish like a mm-hmm. sea bream or sea bass um something like that with like a really nice like slaw on the side mm-hmm. with with these dumplings <laughs> Oh my this goodness, is... this is, I'm dying. I was even hungry, but now I'm like, oh. <laughs> whatever I can fit on the plate, mac and cheese, right. like. <laughs> yeah, hey, hey, it's your last meal. You can have whatever you want. Literally, get get it all on there. Get it all on That's there. Right. Maybe a bit of my mum's chicken curry, whatever, <laughs> whatever I can. And then my favourite pudding is always apple crumble with custard. So that Ooh. is, that is, would be my dessert. Oh, that sounds good. All right, look, listen, I'm about to Google it all that stuff. All that sounds Okay. Good um, one. yeah, I did really like that. Um I read it quite a while ago now when it first kind of like come out, but I mm-hmm. think just hearing I think I just resonated with her. Um mm-hmm. which I thought it's just it's just a powerful time, I think, when you can resonate with somebody in right. in some sort of capacity, whether it's through a book or whatever. And she she was just obviously talking about both you know growing up um and the 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 race the racial um implications she's had um and um any issues she's had with her race growing up mm-hmm. um finding a partner um again and tr- kind of like going through the you know trusting a partner and how her relationship with Obama developed and then also also, I just love to hear about how their relationship dynamic changed in terms right. of like, you know, he was the president and mm-hmm. she was there as a support network, but there was no, there was no competition. There was right. no nothing. It was just, I'm here to support you in however mm-hmm. you need me whilst you're, you know, not even just whilst he's serving as president, but also in life um you know and i think that was i i just really enjoyed reading that book um so yeah i'm gonna say that one okay i love it Mm. um so i'm gonna do a little lightning round but before we get there um the last thing i wanted to ask you is what would your you today what would you tell your 10 year old self and your 20 year old self what advice or words of encouragement would you give them um to my 10 year old self i would probably say um just just enjoy just enjoy life like just mm-hmm. enjoy where you are enjoy the kind of ups and downs of relationships with friends because you're still trying to work that out as a 10 year old um mm-hmm. and also just enjoy the sports that you're doing um and just know that it's for a bigger purpose um so just keep at it and then my 20 year old self i would probably say um um just make sure not to take life too seriously. Um, mm-hmm. I've got a bit of a bit of an like, I can be a bit of a workaholic, um, mm-hmm. and you know I've got clients and friends who say it to me, and I've definitely got that from my dad because um, he equally was like that. And I've seen how it is it can negatively impact relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think just to make sure that you just really keep focusing on that work life balance like don't just keep working um Mm -hmm. you know you're in your 20s enjoy your 20s um you know life is for living um obviously we've all got to make a living but don't remember to live um at Mm. the same time so that would probably be my words of advice to my 20 year old self Mm, i love that last one that was that was that was good um so 
lightning round, which basically means I'm going to say a phrase and I want you to pick one word to finish it. First word that comes into your mind. Are you ready? Um, I want to say beautiful again. Okay. The word, first, the first word that comes to my head. Okay, perfect. And then Farah is St like strong. Okay. Mm. I liked it. Mm. That was good. Look at you. See, I told you it was, it was easy. Mm. Um, this has been awesome. This has been such a delightful conversation. Thank you again so much for taking the time. Not on short notice, too. I really appreciate it. Oh, that's okay. Um, that's fine. Yeah, this has been awesome. But before we go, where can the people find you on the internet? So yeah, main place then I would say is my Instagram page, which is just far from Saker. Um, mm -hmm. That's probably the, the easiest way to kind of get in contact with me. Um, I would say there. Okay. Awesome. Well, thank you, thank you, thank, oh, thank um, you so much. Before we go, do you have any parting thoughts for our audience and our listeners? Um, I just hope that everyone who listens uh, enjoys the podcast um, and, yeah, just hopefully you've taken something positive away from it, whether it's about training, whether it's about uh, body image um, or, you know, about life just generally. Um, hopefully there's something positive that you can take away from today. I think there's lots of things. So thank you. Thank you to our listeners for tuning in again. And we will see you next time at the